So I am really excited this morning to be diving into our, 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 our new series for this month and going into next month. Um, God spoke to me last year as I was preparing for what uh, this month or what this year would look like as far as our messages. And this is, I'm really excited about this. I kind of see like the different worlds and work that I do in, in both professional and, and, and ministerial work and my own personal work. I see all that come together here. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be diving into a series that's simply called, simple, Relationships. That's the simple title of our of our, our, our series over the next few weeks. And our goal is for us to have healthy, healing, and whole relationships. And, and, and we're going to be going on a journey that's going to push us to look at our relationships in that way. Right? And, and so during this month, a lot of churches tend to do relationship stuff. And sometimes they focus on, like, just romantic relationships. And why is that? Because it's February and Valentine's Day. It's supposed to be love month. And I think that's great, right? And a lot of what we are going to discuss over these next several weeks apply to our romantic relationships. But relationships are not just limited to romance. We know that, right? Some of our closest relationships are platonic or familial relationships, Relationships where there is no romance, there is no significant other necessarily. It's a close friend. It's a family member. Heck, there's people that I've met at work that have become my really good friends, right? It's, it's, it's rare. It doesn't always happen, right? But there's folks that you hold on to that are like, you are my real, like you're my brother or like you're my sister or I can call you outside of work hours. Relationships are more than just significant others. And I don't want us to get caught in the trap. Because sometimes the message that gets taught during this time is if you don't have a significant other, then the relationships that you are in aren't as meaningful. Let's not get caught in that trap. Every relationship that you have has meaning. And what we will learn, you can apply in every single domain in your life. And I really believe that God's going to speak to us in a major way. It's really impossible to navigate through life without interacting in some sort of relationship. In fact, typically for most circumstances, under most circumstances, not all the time, but mostly, the first relationships that people tend to have are a relationship with a parent, a mother, a father, or a caregiver, and people that are in their immediate circle, right? You often hear when people talk about siblings, those were my first friends, and that's true, right? Are they your siblings? Yes. So there's one relationship, but they're also your friends. That's another relationship, right? And as you grow, what happens with most people, the lessons that you learn in one relationship get transferred into other relationships that you are navigating through. What that means is what you learn with your mother or your father or your sister or your brother or your auntie or your uncle or your grandma, the people that you're close with, especially at a young age, you get transferable skills and connections and um, preconceived notions. And you take that and transfer that into other relationships with friends from school, with co-workers, with people that you meet outside, with a significant other, this, that, and the third. You transfer those skills. And depending on how your relationships went in the beginning, 
It determines whether you are willing to have a deep relationship as you navigate through life or if you find safety in withdrawing from relationships because of what happened in the beginning. Right. As we set the stage this morning, I want us to understand specifically if you say that you believe in Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say you are following God, I need for you to understand this. We are walking and we don't walk in relationships the same way that people who don't say they believe in God walk in relationships. We don't walk in relationships in the same way that people that don't profess for Jesus to be their Lord and Savior or profess that they want to be like Jesus. We don't walk in relationships the same way other people do. Relationships in the sight of God are valued and valuable. So much so, so much so, that when God created Adam and Eve in the very beginning, the Bible says that he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the night every single night. God valued being in close proximity in relationship with the man and woman that he had created. He found, he found invaluable treasure in being close to Adam and Eve. Do you know that studies show that if you are an infant and a baby and you are healthy, but you don't receive regular or healthy interactions with other human beings as you grow, you can have impacts to your psychological and even your physiological development and growth. There can be setbacks because you need positive interactions from other people, from other human beings, in order for you to develop in the way that God had intended. This is not a fluke. This is not a coincidence. God created us to be in relationship. Nearly all of creation has relationship, has, needs a relationship to thrive. And human beings are a special one. Let's dive right into that. Ready? What I want you to walk away with first today is that we were created to be in close relationship with one another. Simple and full stop. Now, this kind of causes some tension because I think standard culture tells us, right, in the world that we live in, that you don't need other people to survive. You don't need others to maintain. I remember when I was growing up, one of the big songs, and you heard, if you, you could probably tell where I'm going with this, one of the big songs by Beyonce was, me, myself, and I is all I got. Right? Like, like, that was all, that's all she cared about. In that song, she talks about how she was, all she needed was herself. Now, in context, she was talking about some sort of situation with an estranged lover where things didn't go well. Right? And it ended up in heartbreak. But a lot of people connect with and identify with that statement. A lot of people have that same attitude and apply that not only to relation, uh, romantic relationships, but to relationships across the board. They don't need their family. They don't need friendships. They don't need people that they can lean on. They don't need people to put, uh, they don't need people that they can put their trust in or put effort into. And to a certain level, and we'll discuss this at a later on, I understand what that means. There are times where you need appropriate boundaries. We're going to have that conversation. There are times where you don't really need people to survive and you need to do things on your own. I get that. 
But there are people who choose to live this life in solitude and isolation. And those are the people that are just surviving. You're just surviving. It's possible, but it's not optimal. In scriptural terms, it's possible, but it's not beneficial. In fact, it's not what God wanted for you. God's intention was for us to do life with other people beside us. Let me say that again for someone who's like, I don't like that. God's intention was for you to be doing this thing called human life with other people to your left and to your right. You were designed to be that way. Let's dive right back into Genesis chapter number two. Uh, ch chapter number two. Chapter two, <laughs> really quickly. Adam is doing life all by himself. You see, God goes through all six days of creation, makes the skies, the, the oceans, the animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, the animals that walk on the ground, the trees, and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And finally, he makes mankind. And on day six, it actually says God saw that it was good. And then God comes back and says, well, hold up. Wait a second. I'm noticing something here. Adam. The person who was in charge of all creation. The person who was in charge of everything that was supposed to go down at the top of the totem pole. He was in the perfect place. Paradise. World at his fingertips. And yet, God found it necessary for him not to be alone. We read in verse 18 in chapter 2, God says this clearly. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a companion. Now, I want to jump in real quick because I know there might be some of you that hear that and say, did you hear that? God said it's not good for men to be alone, so he needs a companion. What are we, second best? Yes, I, I know that we can, you can feel that tension. It can kind of feel that as you read this scripture, there's a hierarchical thing of man being higher than women or a man needing women in order to thrive. Yes, I, I can see where you come from that lens, but I want you to take it a step deeper. Think outside of a sociological power structure and think a little deeper of what it means to be a human being. I want us to be challenged to the understanding that ultimately God saw that there was an individual who was left to voice through the vastness of a new world and new creation all by himself and God's heart was moved by that and so he said this human Adam needs another human Eve to join him on the journey and yes we can see the text and be thrown off because when we go through and we read the original word in the Hebrew it actually means helper and it means what do you mean I have to help a man but when we go deeper into that word and understand the context connected to that word that word helper does not just mean helper it comes from the origin of the word root Adam needed someone to keep him rooted Adam needed someone to keep him grounded and vice versa you see, whether it is a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, a mentor relationship, a familial relationship, all kinds of relationships at the core, there is the understanding that God intended for you to have companions, compadres, uh, partners, friends, fellows, significant others, spouses that can root us in who we are supposed to be. But in order for that to truly happen, 
in order for others to serve as roots in our lives, we must first be willing to draw near to them as God intended. So let me say this to you clearly. As a believer, you are called to be in relationship. Simple. There's no negotiation. You are called to be in relationship with other people, with saints, people who believe, and with your neighbor. It's not, it's not a question. It's a mandate. And too often I hear Christians say, I don't like people, or I like to be alone, or I don't need people, or I don't like to be in church because I don't want to be bothered. If you say that and you believe it, I understand, first I want to say to you, if you actually say that and believe that, there's a part of my heart that has empathy and understanding towards you from that. Because a lot of times that comes from a place of hurt, of being misunderstood, of mistrust or betrayal that you've experienced in relationships. I don't want to disregard that, right? That's, that happens. That's real. I see that. I honor that. And I empathize with that. And that is the kind of mindset that is completely antithetical to what God wants you to live and how God calls you to live in Christ. That is not how God called you to live when it comes to walking on this earth. Listen to, what, listen, listen to this. We are called to walk with each other. We are called to be accountable to each other. We are called to speak into each other. And we are called to love each other. There is no negotiation on that. So this morning, if you're trying to fight that, understand that Scripture calls us to walk with brothers and sisters. Scripture calls us to hold each other accountable. We're going to get a little bit into that a little bit now. And Scripture calls us to speak into their lives and to love each other. Here's why that's important. As we walk in relationship with each other, we get a glimpse of God's love. Humanity gets a glimpse of what it means to be loved by God when we are in healthy relationships with one another. Walk with me here and, and understand where I'm going, right? When we walk in relationships with other people, when we walk in health and healing and wholeness with one another, we get just a peek into what it means to experience the love of God in its totality. One of my favorite theologians and uh, favorite preachers, Dr. Tony Evans, if you hear me speak often, you know I often speak about this man. He, it, it, it revolutionized, he said something that revolutionized the way that I envisioned the redemptive power of God's love and how it translates to us on earth. Listen, ready? Listen up. He says, we come to understand the love of God this way, vertically, right? This is the vertical love of God. When we experience the love of God this way, horizontally. What that means is we experience the we get to understand what it means to be loved by God, this love, when we get to be loved by other people, this kind of love. The people that stand on your left and to your right. There is an intimate connection between growth and maturity in Christ and growing in love. There's an intimate connection there. Many of us want to grow in Christ and grow in faith. And while it's important for us to have a personal relationship with, with Christ, and that should come first, the fruit of that relationship is only examined and shown in how we relate to other people. 
Don't tell me that you are a good Christian. Don't tell me that you believe in Jesus if you cussing out your neighbor. Don't tell me that you are a good person that follows God if you're speaking bad about somebody else. Don't tell me you are a good person when you can't treat a, a good Christian if you can't treat your spouse or your significant other or your mother, your father, your children right. Don't tell me those things. Because the fruit of your relationship with Christ is shown in how you relate to the person to the left and to the right of you. It's one of the tenets of holiness, and that's another thing we're going to get into later on in this year. Holiness and holy living only play out when we treat each other. Oh, excuse me. They play out in how we treat each other. I truly show the market what it means to be like Jesus if, if, I, if I know how to treat my sister or my brother. Not if I'm living by myself in solitude and locking myself in the door. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians verse 13. I mean, chapter 13, verse 11. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, be joyful. Work to make things right with one another. Help one another and agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God who gives love and peace will be with you. This is what I want you to understand. Ready? Take this in and walk with me here. Healthy, healed, and whole relationships set the tone for what it means for other people to be loved by God. When we read first, uh, second, uh, when we read First Corinthians chapter three, we get a glimpse of the embodiment of love, and you know that love chapter, you know the love chapter in First Corinthians, and we'll get into it in a second. That's often a, a scripture that's read a bunch of times at weddings. Every wedding you go to, if it's a Christian wedding, if you go to four Christian weddings, two, two of those weddings is they're gonna read uh, um, uh, the First Corinthians chapter thirteen, right? Because it's beautiful. It's a reminder of what love is supposed to be. And, and, but it's not supposed to be just about a spouse. That's where we get tripped up. It's not supposed to just be, a, be about a significant other. That's where we get tripped up. It's about loving our neighbor. As it says in Mark chapter 12. Let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 through 7. And we're going to link all this together in a second. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not bow. Uh, does not boast. It is not proud. It is not, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So remember, so we had that understanding in that first verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says, do all these things, live in all these things, work with one another, agree with one another, and then conditionally, not con just conditionally, but to support, right, as, as evidence, the God who gives love and peace will be with you, right? We see that connection. Do these things, and when you do these things, it will be clear that I am with you. It will be clear that I am present. Then it's also told what love looks like. You see, when we choose to love, in the way that the Bible describes, and walk and work with one another, when we choose peace instead of chaos, when we choose community instead of isolation, when we choose uh, being connected to people instead of being disconnected and cut off, what happens is we become a small doorway of what is possible for other people to experience because God has entered in and the God of love and peace has come into the situation.
You understand where I'm going with this? If I show you love, my brother, if, I, if you do something wrong, or maybe you're not even doing something wrong, maybe you're just going about your day, and I do something that demonstrates love and compassion and relationship, maybe in your own walk you're struggling with God, or maybe you're just having a really bad day, but in that moment, because of the love that I've demonstrated to you in relationship, you get a glimpse of what it means to be loved by an all-loving God. I know what it means now to be loved by an all-loving God because, and I use my children as an example, the love that I feel for my kids is a love that I never thought that I would ever feel in my entire life. And that is just a glimpse of what it means for me to be loved by God. If God is my father and he loves, and I love my kids endlessly, and that's just a glimpse, imagine just how much God loves me. And that is a doorway for my children to come to the knowledge of what it means to be loved by an all-loving God. That is the knowledge of those who I encounter to be loved, to come to the knowledge of what it means to be loved by an all-loving God. When we do this, we create the space for the love of God and the peace of God to come down and meet someone in an opportunity for them to experience the fullness of God's love. You see where I'm going here? You see why it's important for us to be in relationship and in community with each other? Lastly, and this goes into this next part, right? We experience transformation when we are in true relationship with people. Mm. We've all heard that example of like that person that got with somebody else. Sometimes it's, most times it's a guy that gets with a girl, right? And sometimes it's a girl that gets with a guy, right? Or, and, and like, and, and what happens is when they're about to get married or whatever, people like, yo, she changed you for the better, man. Or, yo, he, he really changed your life. There's transformation that happens in those relationships because people are close. People are, are rubbing, I like to call rubbing shoulders. One of the things that I've learned the most in my own uh, in, in, in therapy and working with people in therapy and just quite frankly in my own therapy is that relationships have a twofold effect. And the more I learn about these effects, the more that I am convinced that God did this on purpose. Ready? The first effect of a relationship, as we talk about transformation, is a relationship serves as a mirror reflecting back to you the things in your life that need adjusting. You ever had like, so I will have sometimes things get caught in my beard, right? Like, and I don't have eyes to see underneath my chin, so I don't know what's in my beard. The first person, of course, to always call it out is my daughter. Dada, what's that thing in your beard? <laughs> she, she, and she'll just like come up and like pull it. And then the, 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 little, the little one, Brie, will then do the same thing. Yeah, Dada, and just pull my whole face, right? Like, right? Like, but they see it. Do I see the thing in my beard? No. I can't, I can't see it. I have a blind spot. Someone else has to point that out to me. Now, none of us are perfect. We all have flaws in our humanity, which is why we are being remade in the image of Christ if we say that we believe and we profess that Jesus is who we are following. Here's the thing. Even though you are working as hard as you possibly can to be remade in the image of Christ, there are blind spots in your life. There are blind spots in your character. There are blind spots in our behavior. There are blind spots that we just miss. We can't see. 
because we are used to doing things in a certain way. We are used to doing things, uh, saying things, and being a certain kind of person. We miss things. You ever write a paper? And you write the paper? Yo, this is, this is dope. Like, all right, boom. And then you go give it to somebody else to read. And all of a sudden, they're like, uh, you said that twice here. You misspelled this here. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, yo, I thought I caught all my mistakes. You're too familiar with your mistakes. You're too familiar with the way that you've done things. You're too familiar with what you created. Somebody else has to go in and copy edit and find the things that you've missed. You see, healthy relationships do that because there are things that happen in our lives that get away from us that we forget or ignore that, or, or we don't realize that they've happened. And in some places, we even ignore that they've happened, right? And we need for someone else to be the mirror and say, this is what I am seeing in your life. S secondly, excuse me, not just secondly. Healthy relationships create space for us to be able to speak the truth in our lives as we continue to grow. We need for people to be those mirrors so that they can speak truth to our lives. In Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verse chapter 25, it says very clearly and subtly, speak the truth to your neighbor. In Luke chapter 7, verse 3, it says this. I love this. The message version especially, it says, be alert. If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. You need to be able to reflect back to people the very things that are going on in their lives so that they can grow. And people need to be able to reflect back to you the things that are going on in your life so that God can begin to move and work on you. You need for that partner to be able to say, hey, the way that you talk to that person, like it feels a little funky. You need for that family member that has the space and the grace to come to your life and say, hey, I'm concerned about this. Maybe you've missed this, but this is something that I think that is going on with you. You need for that friend, that mentor, people that you trust to be able to lovingly and courageously come up to you and point out the things and not just call out but call in right I want us to get into the sense of we don't call people out in relationships we call people in when you call someone out it can give off the impression that you think that you are better than someone and there are times where you do have to call out but when we are walking in loving relationship with people we call people into the fray hey I know that this is going on in your life instead of just calling you out and stepping out and say deal with your mess we get to say hey I'm going to call you in so I can be in the mess with you that's what relationships are secondly not only are relationships a mirror but they're also a place where you get sharpened some of your deepest moments of growth and maturation happen when you rub up against people, when you rub shoulders with people. They happen when we allow ourselves to grade against the personhood of someone else. It happens when, as people, and I said this already, we call each other into growth so that we can actively help people grow. We all know this verse, and I think we've heard it as we've grown up from Proverbs 27, verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so does a person sharpen another. Have you ever seen the process of sharpening metal? So at home, we got these knives, these Cuisinart knives. I feel like I'm bougie. Um, and, 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 um, and I know they're not bougie. I just feel like that. I've never sharpened knives. I didn't sharpen one knife growing up. And now I have to sharpen knives like every now and then. So I grabbed the knife sharpener and I'm like... 
like I'm ratatouille or something like that, and I'm sharpening the knives, if you do that in the dark, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see sparks. You're going to see sparks. You are actually going to see sparks because the metal from one is rubbing off in the metal from another, and it's heating up so much that as little fragments of that metal is displaced from one another, they let off light from the heat that is generated from it. The rubbing and the grating in order to be refined and sharpened causes a little bit of heat and friction in the midst of that. Healthy and whole relationships allow for us to get sharpened by one another. They allow for us to get into places where sometimes in healthy relationships, you need healthy conflict. Because nobody grows from complacency. You only grow from conflict. You grow from when you get yourself to a place of tension and allow for yourself to expand and move forward. No one grows when you have yes men or yes women circling around you. You need people that are willing and able to grate up against you, keep you accountable, and sure, you might get frustrated with what they say, because let's be honest, even if they write, Nobody wants to be told where they're doing something wrong, but you need that in order to get to the next level of growth and maturation in your spiritual walk with God. Healing and healed whole relationships serve as a refining fire, and they help us learn more and more of what it means to be like Jesus. If you are walking with someone else who believes in Jesus and is walking with Jesus, they are a refining fire to be able to help you to become more and more of the image of Christ. And you need relationships in order to be refined. You need the grinding. You need the rubbing. You need the friction of what it means to walk with other people. Other people, guess, and guess what? Just because you are a Christian, just because we are all Christians, don't mean we think the same. Just because we all believe in Jesus don't mean that we all think the same thing or act the same way. And that's okay because you need that in your growth process. You need for people who are walking in the image of Christ but are different from you to keep you honest, keep you accountable. And that doesn't happen in a vacuum. It only happens in community. If you have found yourself stunted in your personal walk with Christ, I'm going to say to you, perhaps it's because you haven't given yourself the opportunity to further mature in your walk with other people. If you can't relate to people that you look at in flesh and blood, how are you going to relate to an invisible God? If you can't relate to your people that you're supposed to love, people that you're supposed to care about, how are you supposed to relate to someone who, for all intents and purposes, you've never seen before and it could be a, is a figment of imagination to some people? How are you supposed to relate to a God that's all-powerful if you can't relate to your child who relies on you? It only happens when we are in relationship. Over these next few weeks, y'all, this is just an opening message. In the next few weeks, we're going to explore so many different aspects of relationships. We're going to look at things like communication. We're going to look at things like what it means for us to have real relationships with people. We're going to look at intimacy. We're going to look at things of like, what does it mean? How do we relate with people that we can't stand 
And we're going to do so all in the name of relationships. I truly believe that God will be and has already spoken to us all. He's going to equip us with the knowledge and willingness and insight to be able to have healthy, healing, and whole relationships here on earth with the time that he's given us. Our reflections, our our relationships are our reflection of where we are in our walk with Christ. And as we grow with him, that growth must be reflected in how we treat other people. This morning, as we end and we pray, what I'm going to ask for you to do is examine your own self. How do you navigate consistently through relationships? If you look at a track record, of how you deal with relationships. How do you navigate through those relationships? Be honest with yourself. How do you show up in those relationships? Do you show up in a way that opens people up to the possibility of of vulnerability and intimacy so that they can experience the love of God? Or are you a closed door that makes people feel distant, closed off, disconnected? As you pray this morning, wherever you fit, bring yourself before the Lord and ask for him to give you a renewed mind, a renewed heart and perspective so that you can engage in relationships the way that God intended for you to engage in relationships. Don't listen to the way the world tells you to engage. They're going to mess you up. If you do the way the world tells you to engage, you're going to consistently end up disappointed, hurt, and possibly alone. And not you could be in relationships with people and be alone. You can have friends and be alone. You can have a spouse and be alone. You can have family and be alone. But if you do it the way that God intended, I truly believe that not only will God flourish your relationships, but if you're looking for good relationships, he will lead you to the ones that will mature you and expand you so that you could become the better version of who he wants you to be.